Welcome back to the Raising the Bar podcast. We're your hosts, Emily and Dawson. And in today's episode, we have a special guest, Liz from MT2 Lifestyle from Tominic Trained. Um, so Liz, would you like to introduce yourself and just talk about, um, you know, just your education background and like what got you started in um, like fitness and coaching? Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm Liz McElhaney. I am the head coach of MT2 Lifestyle. So I started in my education. Um, I got my bachelor's in dietetics and then I got my master's in obesity prevention and management. Um, and then if you want to go into like certifications and stuff, <laughs> you know, there's like the woman's fitness specialist, a senior fitness specialist, corrective exercise specialist. Um, and I just got my certificate in training of pediatric and adulthood obesity. So that one's a cool one. Yeah. And then as far as uh, what got me into fitness and everything, um, it's kind of a long story, but when I was a teenager, I really wasn't into sports or anything. Um, and I actually had more of disordered eating. So I was just really interested in learning about nutrition kind of out of that. Like I was a vegetarian when I was a teenager, then I went vegan and, you know, I just like got more into that stuff. I know you guys are both very familiar with that. So, um, I just wanted to learn more about it. So that's how I started getting into nutrition. And then when I was in college, I, you know, ended up in the gym and found a coach and I started weightlifting and fell in love with it. So, um, you know, over the years, it just kind of evolved. So, um, as far as coaching goes, one of my friends, moms, like when I would start getting in shape and everything, she's like, you got to work out with me. And I'm like, cool, come to the gym. And she's like, nope, you got to train me at my house. So that's kind of how I became a trainer. Um, I started with her and then her friends started doing it. So I was like, you know, I really like doing this. And it kind of, you know, just turned into more, I became a personal trainer. Um, and then I finished school. I really wanted to stick with like the in-person stuff. So I did the coaching with nutrition and everything too. Um, if you don't mind me just interrupting here, what did, um, what took you down the obesity prevention pathway there instead of like, I guess, going into something else on like the exercise science and things, if you will. Right. I think like looking back, if I had not already been in exercise science, like when I started like falling in love with weightlifting and everything, I probably would have switched majors, but, um, I was in dietetics. I worked at a hospital and I saw that the people in the hospital really didn't want your help that much, you know, they're, you know, in there for whatever reason, and you give them their dietary, you know, restrictions and stuff, or ask them like what they want to eat. And they just seem very pissed off at you. And they just like, didn't want that help on the side of nutrition and stuff. Whereas coaching people come to you because they're ready for that change. You know, they want to change. So I think that's where I started being like, okay, well, there's a big problem with people's nutrition and their weight. And ASU had just started their obesity prevention and management program. And it, it just kind of called to me. So I decided to do that program and just kind of went from there. Um, and then in my family, my mom has multiple sclerosis and thyroid disease, and she had a lot of weight issues while I was growing up. And I think that was part of it too, is like, I want to help people like her. So that's where part of the passion stemmed from. Oh, that's, I think a great path. And I think it's something that, and as you probably know, it's something that's ever, it's ever growing to be more prominent of a, I don't want to say like an issue, but as an issue, if you will. And having individuals who like yourself are very passionate on that end of things to tackle that end and like that more, 
lifestyle like mindset end of things I think alone is something extremely beneficial that I think we're going to see a lot more need for as time just goes on right and when you're going to school for dietetics it's very clinical nutrition based and it's not so much on the lifestyle stuff so Mm -hmm. that's kind of why I was like okay I have to keep going with this education because you know they teach you about treating like diabetes and renal failure and stuff but not really the everyday like I just want to lose weight or get healthy type of thing. So oh, exactly. I think that's um something myself I've realized a lot more recently that just like the psychology behind coaching and just not even like going all in on like all these different like X, Y, and Z with someone, but literally it's like the bare bones basics of like, hey, like let's learn how to track macros and just like yeah. that basic like mindset end of things that I know at least personally for myself, I almost skipped over that at first because I just like completely just blaze right past that almost going for like all these like bigger hitting issues or like topics like it's kind of like more buzzwords I guess you could say whereas like now I'm looking back and like realizing how much I miss out on when I it's how much I miss out on when I kind of like skip that realm of like thinking and like I guess learning if you will yeah and I think that's pretty common like even you know I've been a coach for like 10 years now. And I even think back of like the way I used to coach people. And I'm like, wow, like, that wasn't Literally. that great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, oh, dec- casual decade, but you know, uh, but no, Liz, I think that's freaking awesome. But I do agree. Like, I think it's that ever present, like growth of being able to look back at like your past self from even like hell, like a few months ago, last year. I mean, like seeing how far you've come as a person, as a coach, as an individual since then, I think is just the most rewarding thing in the world, especially yeah, seeing totally how much you're able to help people more so now than you were whenever. Yeah, for sure. Like even just becoming a part of MT2 and Dominic trained, like, you know, Mark is my mentor and I've learned so much from him too. So, you know, you're never done learning. So I think, you know, if you can always look back a year and say like, I'm a better coach now, that's, you know, that's awesome. Absolutely. Forever a student. Exactly. So I guess I'm wondering like, cause I, I've seen a lot about like intuitive eating lately. Like it seems to be all the rage. And so I like, I'm guess, I guess I'm wondering like, does intuitive eating have a place in like somebody's health and fitness or um, like weight loss journey? Like, um, cause I mean, for someone who's maybe like, you know, 45 years old, I mean, they may not necessarily want to track when they're 80 years old. And so like, how do they like, for what is your approach for helping them to bridge that gap between like being more structured, but eventually intuitive eating. And then also like navigating, um, just like the world with hyper palatable foods and just how the world isn't necessarily always set up to succeed on a healthy lifestyle. So like, how do you equip people for the world basically? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think intuitive eating is like a very complicated topic. Like, you know, people just think like, Hey, I can just like intuitively like eat what I want and, you know, manage my weight. But if it was like that easy, then nope, like there wouldn't be all these We'd all be doing problems. It. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I think first you have to teach them about just like healthy eating in general, um, understanding what foods promote good digestion, like what makes them feel good, what has nutrients, like teaching them about macros. Like they really have to learn the basics about food first, um, because, you know, if you've never eaten like healthy or like, you know, macro-friendly foods, like never learned that stuff to begin with, you can't like, like you said, a 45 year old, if they just haven't eaten well their whole life, they're not just going to suddenly be able to 
eat intuitively in the right way. So I think starting with that. Um, and, you know, people tend to say like, oh, our ancestors like didn't have to track macros. Like that's really silly. But at the same time, like our ancestors were like hunters and gatherers. They weren't like, you know, shopping down the aisles of food stores with all these options and highly palatable foods. And, you know, it's a much different game these days. Um, we have all these foods that are scientifically made to taste good and give us more cravings and stuff like that. So it's not just about, you know, our intuition these days, there's a lot more to it. Oh, I agree with that. I also, um, I think there's, is a point where putting almost a bit more restriction to it to al allow someone to get in the, not even a better mindset, but you're almost putting almost a bit more restriction around it to get them eating those healthier foods again. So then they know what it feels like to eat those. Mm -hmm. Because I think the minute you bring awareness to how they feel when they're eating more different foods and the minute they're able to cognitively recognize that, that's where I've noticed the biggest shift is beforehand someone will come to me and they're eating, you know, your typical standard American diet right now. Whereas the minute we do put a bit of restriction around that and they're eating a lot more whole foods, a lot more nutritious foods, they feel that difference. And then the minute I kind of remove those boundaries around them they continue with those healthier foods because they know what it feels like right so and the digestion thing I think is huge because I'm sure you guys have experienced this as coaches but like people come and like they have bloating all the time or they don't poop every day or they have like loose bowels and stuff and they're like well that's oh. just how it's always been and you know that's, that's not how it's supposed to be so I think even just teaching them like what normal digestion looks like and getting them like to figure out the foods that are right for them because like the same foods aren't going to work for every single person so figuring those things out learning what that feels like like it feels so different when you finally do have so good digestion um and getting a hang of all of that um and then i like to slowly turn them towards like educated eating i would call it so you know with macros we're having them weigh everything out so maybe like try a day where like they're just eyeballing it or like in between, I have them say like, okay, like eyeball it first and then weigh it and see how close you were and get them closer to those portion sizes. Cause I think people are really bad at eyeballing things at first. And if you're like really tied to the scale, like you're scared to let go of it, you might not be paying attention. Like as you weigh things out, you're just like, oh, what does the scale say? But if you start to like visually look at the food and what weighs what, then you'll start to realize like, okay, this is a serving of protein or this is like a tablespoon of oil or whatever, you know, milliliters, whatever it is, <laughs> then like, you know, eventually they'll be able to do that without tracking it in my fitness pal and get the right amounts. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's like, no, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say like, how do you approach it? If like someone has a really um, like compromised relationship with weighing themselves, like, do you have them maybe not weigh themselves and just go by body, um, like progress photos, or maybe just weigh themselves like very infrequently, like how would you approach that? Yeah, I have quite a few athletes that I just have send me like pictures. Some of them will send me like waist and hip measurements. Um, but I just notice their stress in the scale are like very closely related and I can still see the progress visually, you know, as and like, they can start to feel it, you know, they'll say like, my clothes are fitting better, or I just feel more confident and stuff like that. So, um, the scale definitely isn't a necessary tool. It's definitely helpful, like for those people who can handle it, but there's 
plenty of people who I need to just pull that away from and say, we don't need to weigh you. So depends on the individual. I agree with that. Because again, like the, in the end, like the physical body itself, so it's not going to lie. So like you can see those changes just as much as like a scale reading would give you. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I would say, you know, the waist and hip measurements change like pretty drastically, you know, when we are making really good progress. So, you know, if those things aren't budging or like the photos aren't changing, like that's when I know to make changes or, you know, address adherence, things like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think like intuitive eating isn't meant, you guys actually, I think talked about this on one of your episodes before, like, I think you were talking about intuitive eating and whether you could use it like to maintain your weight versus like dieting or gaining weight, you know, like if you intuitively eat, can you be in a weight loss phase? And I personally think it should be meant just for like maintenance. So that's another thing is like, if someone has a big weight loss goal, I wouldn't really try to teach them intuitive eating just yet. I try to get them to that healthy weight and then we're, we're trying to maintain it, kind of keep it there. Um, Cause I think like you guys had mentioned in that episode before is like, is it really intuitive if you're turning it into like trying to lose weight or trying to gain weight? Cause then you start messing with like ghrelin and leptin, your hunger signals are off and it's not so intuitive anymore. Cause that's not what your body wants. No, absolutely. Cause it, again, like the minute you start putting one focus or another toward that food, you're going to skew not only your relationship with it, but again, like, as you mentioned, like those hunger response and those hunger signaling. Um, and I think that's where on the intuitive eating topic, I do think like tracking macros like that, it's that tool in the tool shed to help move you in the direction you want to go. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can yeah. obviously be like, okay, like this is where I'm maintaining my weight. I would just have to eat a little bit less, but I think those actual intuitive signals kind of get thrown off at that point, yeah. you know, Absolutely. I mean, you are going to be hungry when you're in a dieting phase and you're going to be full when you're trying to gain weight. So Oh, yeah, I think those things are harder to like not track. Because mm -hmm. again, you have to almost be, when you're going one way or the other, you have to be intentional with it. And right. again, like, as you mentioned, intuitive eating, it's meant for that maintenance period. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think I would have someone like trying to do that if they have a big weight loss goal or anything. Definitely. Maybe even a counterintuitive at that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I guess... A question for you would be when it comes to helping a client transition off of like a macro or meal plan into that more intuitive eating um, lifestyle, I guess, if you want, or like just that habit of it, what would you say would be like the hardest thing that you've come across within that client? Would it be like the mindset end of things or? Um, I think, you know, sometimes they kind of revert back to, you know, the foods they would want to eat before like you know now I can just you know eat whatever I want type of thing and again it goes back to like it's not the foods that as human nature we're supposed to eat like there's so many things that go into that so like it can be easy to gain weight again if you're not paying attention to your food sources so you know if you stick to those foods that you know are really great for your digestion and everything that can be really easy but I think it can very easily like be let go into like eating out again more and stuff like that. And that's not to say you can't eat out. I think it's a big thing about like paying attention to satiety cues and things like that. Um, 
and that's a big part of the learning process too, is like, I teach them, like when you go out to eat, you don't have to eat everything on your plate or, you know, like you can split a meal with someone else or always choose a food that's like high in protein so that, you know, that's going to give you some fullness and obviously like help you towards your goals, no matter what your goal is, having some protein in there is going to help. So, um, yeah, I would say, you know, just like that kind of resorting back to old behaviors type of thing. Um, and just like less accountability. Like, I think when you know, you have a number to hit for the day, it's much easier to be like, okay, like got to stick within these types of foods. So I think just the mindset of it. I can see that in that case, almost like just everything you said there just like kind of sparked this in my brain where like macros in that case for someone who does want to transition into that is almost like the training wheels. So the minute you take those training wheels off, they're either going to keep riding forward on that or we're going to have to pop them, back, pop, pop them back on for a bit until we like bulletproof things across the board. Right. Yeah. Which, like again, if is- they, if they can continue and like stick with the education about the food that we, you know, talked about, like eating the right food sources and saving those other things for like special occasions and things like that, I think they'll be much more successful, but um, Absolutely. it's very easy to like kind of get lost in life. They were like, you know, when life gets busy, go towards more like convenient foods again and things like that. So it's just like remembering those habits. Absolutely. I've also found that through that education about like different food and food choices and like bring that awareness to how they feel when they are eating foods are a bit better for them just long-term. Um, it almost helps bring that nutrition to their personal nutrition to more of a forefront. So even when times of stress, times of like a lot of change and like hecticness, hecticness, instead of that nutrition taking the back burner like it would have in the past, we're keeping that forefront in their, their mind almost to make sure that they feel better and feel at their best in those times. So they're not reverting to old behaviors and then everything else is sliding with them. Right. And I think it's good to maybe have like, you know, either if they're continuing to work with you and just not tracking macros, it, I think that accountability is still great because you can still see like, okay, like you're doing great or maintaining your weight versus if things can clearly start to go off track, you're like, what are you doing? That's, you know, a little What's bit. Up? Wait a minute. Yeah. Um, so I think like having that accountability still is great or like if they feel like they're ready to go on their own, you know, maybe even having just like every six months, like having a little call together or something just to follow up and make sure they're still doing okay. I think that makes a big difference. And I think in some of the research I've seen too, is like having follow-ups with your coach or your dietitian or whoever it may be, um, can make a big difference, you know, knowing that they still have someone that still cares about their progress and isn't just like, Oh, you stopped coaching. Like, forget about um, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel like the all or nothing mindset is like something that's very common with people? Cause I mean, I know at least with people that I've worked with, that seems to be, I mean, not everyone, but just like a common thing, like, you know, like, there's cookies, I'm just going to eat one, but then, you know, you end up eating the whole thing. And so it's like, well, screw it, might as well just eat everything now. Um, and I think, like learning to get out of that mindset. And like, for some people, I do think that practicing some moderation can be good, like, even though cookies are a hyper palatable food, like for someone like it might actually be really good for them to be able to have a cookie as opposed to eat all of them. Cause like, I know for me, like I had a 
um, a previous client actually write back, write to me recently and say that like, she started a baking business and she's been, um, so, I mean, you have to like taste test what you're making, but she was saying like, from everything that you've taught me, like I've been able to taste test what I make without like binging on everything. And I'm able to do that in moderation. Um, and so like, I know moderation can be like a fine line because obviously like digestion is really important too. Um, so like, how do you, I mean, I imagine it's different from person to person, but like, how do you like to approach that? Yeah, it certainly is different for every person. Um, I definitely have people who have those cravings and I don't want it to be like good versus bad, bad food. So I will say like, you like cookies, like, all right, let's put one in your plan. Now, of course it depends on like what our phase is like, you know, if their calories are pretty low in a dieting phase, I'm going to be like, okay, like this isn't the best time to fit that in. Like, you know, we got to get the nutrition foods, sorry, <laughs> nutritious foods in those macros, but you know, if they have the room for it, I'm happy to fit those in just so that they can still feel like they're getting those things. Or if they have kids, like, you know, it's important for parents to be able to like have the cookie with their kid or have a slice of pizza with them. And I think those things are really important, especially for the lifestyle people is like, they have lives and families. You can't just expect them to like be so rigid all the time. So I think fixing those things and keeping those in the program is important. And just that teaches them that they can stay on track and enjoy those things. It's just about learning how to plan them in. Um, you know, I have people like if they're going out to eat in the beginning, I'll have them like send me the menu of where they're going. And I'm like, okay, okay. Like let's figure out together, like how we can pick something from this menu that's going to help you reach your goals and you can still enjoy yourself. And that might include like a glass of wine or some alcoholic beverage or something like that's, you know, not the most <laughs> beneficial thing for them, but you know, for their goals, it might be if they just want to be able to have that social life and stuff like that. So um, I think moderation is very important to include in people's plans again for like lifestyle people, when you want them to stick to it long-term, there has to be room for that type of stuff. You have to almost, you have to meet the client where they're at. And that's on like a mental standpoint, a life standpoint, as well as like a physical standpoint. And I think part of that is taking, taking into account like other relationships and just other aspects of their life that they do enjoy like that. Like um, I actually just started working with a younger man who every night he likes to have a bowl of cereal with his kids before they go to bed. So I was like, well, we're not taking that bowl of cereal out. So don't like, that's not, not a question. So something like that though where we're still building that structure outside of that but we still have those little allowances in there because we don't want to like this should be an addition to their life not taken away from them in the end right I think something important like on the note of like parents and stuff is okay. something I find that a lot of them do is if their kids don't finish their food the parent will eat the rest of the food because they don't want to waste it but I'm like I know you're not wanting to waste food but you gotta like cut that out because that stuff can add up a lot but if it's like something planned like the cookies or cereal or something I think that's great it's still building that relationship but you're not like just taking on like extra random calories and things like that absolutely and that's where we're in a fridge come yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. uh, but I definitely think the all or nothing thing is huge um, I don't know if you guys have a lot of like type a personality athletes but you know they just you know, it's balls to the wall or it's like, eh, forget about it. So a lot of it is like teaching people, like if you miss a workout or like you have a day that you don't hit your macros, like it's not the end of the world. 
I just want you to be honest about it. And I want to kind of troubleshoot, like, where, where did we go wrong that day? So we can say like, if this situation happens again, like what could we have done better? And it might not be perfect the next time either, but you can slowly get better at that stuff. Like all people like, you know, they go out to dinner and maybe we did plan what they were going to eat, but then they decided to get something else. And then they go home and they're like, well, I already messed up. So like going to have dessert now and it can kind of snowball from there. So if those things happen, it's really, that's where we get into that psychology thing where it's not just about like, Hey, hit your numbers and do your training and like, good luck. Like we really have to be better than that and <laughs> work harder to like figure out the psychology behind it and like why they're making those choices. Why do they feel guilty if they ate something different? And that's a lot of the problem, like why they might've gained weight in the first place, or if they had more disordered eating, like where that came from. So kind of, you know, obviously within our uh, realm scope. of like what we can do, our scope of practice. Um, and, you know, if it comes to it, maybe referring them out to like a therapist or something, but definitely like there's a psycho psychological factor in there. Absolutely. Um, I think, again, like on that is one of the biggest things that I've seen that's like been an obstacle for some people is ex that exact all, um, all or nothing mentality where basically telling them like, cool, like, it's new and you have something that like wasn't in your plan or like wasn't planned or something happens. You still have 10 hours left before you go to bed that you can make the most of still and not just completely just set it out the door and just call it a day. Like we can still win the day with the cards that we're dealt now. So right. I think helping like foster that mentality as well has been something that's helped a lot of my athletes because again, it's, they feel mentally better when they're on track and they know they're doing something better for themselves and allowing them to always end the day no matter how the day went but ending the day knowing they did the best they could at the end has been something that I've seen help a lot of people yeah for sure I mean none of us are perfect like there's always stuff that comes up in life and you just have to kind of roll with the punches but I think you know starting that next day is it's a new day like I've got this like not letting anything that happened before kind of get you down um, and I think that honesty with your coach thing too like we Kind of talked about before but you know I see that leading into people like missing check-ins because they didn't want to report that something went wrong you know and then I'm like chasing after them to check in with me and I'm like I promise I'm not here to judge you but I do need to know like what's going on with you or like what happened not so that I can like get mad at you or scold you but so I can say like okay like you know maybe this is something we need to work on or maybe the plan's a little too strict maybe we need to like dial it back a little bit like I said, everyone's different. So sometimes I make a plan for someone and it's too much for them at first. So maybe I'll just like scale it down and be like, all right, well, let's just focus on like this one thing first. And once you nail that down, we'll get back into the more detailed stuff. Absolutely. I think that's, again, something that I also have been like trying to work with my clients with is like, the reason I want you to be honest is so I can best help you. It's right. not so much like you did something bad or you did something wrong. It's what can I do to best serve you to help support you during this journey? Right. Yeah, I think that yeah. honesty is huge. Yeah, I mean, like, if we don't know something, we can't, obviously can't adjust it. Um, so it's obviously really, I think it's just hard for people because they're, like, afraid that we're going to judge them for it. Um, so they may just not, like, report everything. Because, um, like, I had an athlete recently and... Um, like she was really struggling with the intra-workout nutrition side of things because she had never used them before. Um, and so 
um, you know, there were a lot of her calories were placed around that peri-workout window and she just um, wasn't used to it. So we kind of like, um, and I didn't realize this because I mean, she didn't tell me, but she was really struggling with actually like hitting that, um, those protocols. And so, I mean, once she told me, I said like, okay, like, I mean, it's like, you've never done this before, so we can dial it back and maybe put a little bit of a lesser percentage around that peri-workout window. But like, thank you for letting me know, obviously, just because now we can work with it. Um, and so she just was like, yeah, like I've just really been struggling, struggling with that. And, um, so I just think it's really good when our athletes can like, let us know when they're struggling with something. Um, but I think sometimes they don't know to let us know if that makes sense. So yeah, it can definitely be hard for some people, but just making sure that they feel comfortable, I think is really important. Yeah, for sure. And I think something I started doing recently is, I mean, I've always kind of adjusted like the starting point for them based on where they're at, but even more so lately, I kind of like have a tier system of where I'm like, this is where this person's at. Like, do I even give the macros in the beginning or do I do the peri workout thing? Cause I found the same thing too. Like some people are like, Whoa, like what, <laughs> what is that? Like, you know, or if they, they haven't even been going to the gym, like that's just a lot for them to figure out. So maybe I'll just do the same macros every day. And then we'll go into like training and rest day macros. And then we'll go into peri-workout nutrition. So like teaching them one thing at a time, or maybe it's just a protein goal in the beginning. Their first week, if it's someone who's never tracked before, I'll just have them just track, you know, no goals, no nothing. And then like one thing at a time. So I think just like really meeting someone where they're at and not overwhelming them can really save us. Cause there's those people who are just going to get overwhelmed and you'll never hear from them again. And they won't tell you like, Hey, I'm sorry, that was really overwhelming. Like, can we dial it back? They're not going to say that. And if sometimes it's just too late, like I've learned that lesson the hard way by being like, man, I should have just like started easier with them. But you know, that's how you learn as a coach is those people. So Absolutely. I wish I could like go back to some of those people and be like, sorry, but like, Hey, this know. is on me this time. I promise. Yeah. But you yeah. know, sometimes those people just, you know, run away and don't tell you what happened and you just kind of have to like say like, okay, like what could I have done better to like made that not happen? So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Same with like training intensity too. Like, you know, you don't just like throw people into training to failure if they're not even like lifting heavy or anything to begin with. So just scaling everything to where someone's at. Absolutely. Also, cause I found that, especially on the training end of things, when that's not something someone's used to, that recovery alone will always bite you in the ass. So you, yeah. also, you have to build people up to that just like you would with tracking and macros and being a bit more dialed in with their nutrition. They have to do the exact same thing or something similar, at least to training in some way, shape or form, I found. Right. Yeah. Or sometimes people will be used to like, you know, lighter weight type of thing and not training even close to failure. So they can train like, you know, five or six days a week. So then when you're like, okay, we're going to train like four or five days, they get upset or, you know, whatever. And you kind of te teach them about the rest. I think like, that's a big thing too, is people really don't consider like the rest, the sleep, the stress management, all that stuff, you know? No, absolutely. Like, yeah, I think stress management is probably like one of the, <laughs> the hardest parts. Yeah. It's such a huge part. Cause I mean, that also impacts like our appetite. Um, 
And so like, obviously that will make it a lot easier to stick to the plan, you know, like the macros and everything. <clears throat> like if, um, you know, if someone's getting enough sleep and managing their stress well. So, um, but I think people just don't realize like, oh wait, like it's, it's not okay that I'm getting six hours of sleep. Like I'm supposed to get more sleep. Like, I think some people just don't realize like how little they're actually sleeping and like that they're, that they could be functioning a lot better. Yeah. Like I get that a lot. They'll be like, I feel fine though. And I'm like, do you? <laughs> you actually know what it feels like to be like well-rested like question for you. Yeah. And it's just like the society we live in is like that hustle culture and like sleep when you're dead or like, you know, oh. you're not working hard enough if you're sleeping eight hours and it's ridiculous. But I think that's where some of it comes from, you know? No. Yeah. Yeah. I think another one on that, again, like going back to what I mentioned earlier about how you bring awareness to like that feeling and you get them to a better spot with it. So they feel that physical difference. I think that can go across the board with like nutrition, training, sleep, stress management, hydrate, everything. Because um, again, like once you have someone sleeping consistently at eight hours a night, nine hours a night, the minute they go back to like a six hour night, like they, they feel that. And they kind of like, I feel like it's at that point right there when it clicks in their head. And that's when you can kind of get that aha and you're pretty smooth sailing from there. Yeah, for sure. And that goes with like, I know you said it goes for everything, but really like <laughs> yeah. when you, when you have them start eating, like, you know, healthier foods, less processed foods, and then they like have a meal out or they do have something that is like their old diet to, you know, like snacky foods or whatever. And then they're like, wow, I really felt like crap after, you know, I ate that food. I can't believe I used to eat like that all the time. So, you know, like you said, it's just like learning what those things feel like. Same with like drinking, like, you know, they're like, wow, like I feel so much better now. I didn't realize I felt like crap all the time. I feel like I feel alive, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Had that plenty of times. Yeah, like I, think, yeah. Um, Dude, like, oh, I was just gonna say I don't think like you realize how good you can feel until you feel good and then you go off and then you realize like oh my gosh like you know yeah light bulb clicks. Another one on that topic is bringing that awareness to what stress truly is because that's another thing that I found is that educating that stress isn't just something that like, isn't just anxiety. And it's not just like that, oh, I was overwhelmed at work today. No, it's everything else involved in that realm. And I think bringing like, again, like that awareness and education on that end of things as well has been extremely beneficial again across the board. Because again, someone doesn't realize how much they have going on or is on their plate until you sit, down, sit them down and walk, have them walk you through everything. And then you start putting little marks next to everything. And they, add them like 20 marks at the end. You're just like, so what about that stress now? Where are we at? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll almost like, you know, I have people like rate their stress and they'll say it's like a one or zero. And I'm like, no, there's no way it's zero. You know, right. like, like unless I you wish. were just like laying on the beach all day, did not do anything. Um, and, but yeah, that's so true. I think people just really have no idea like what stressors on our body is, uh, are, and you know, you just have to point those things out. And like you said, just go through their day and say like, you know, what could we pull out of your routine? That's a stress. Like, is it maybe too much caffeine or is you're scrolling on your phone at night or people that piss you off that you still hang out with, like whatever it is, you know? And then there's things like work, like work stress. You obviously can't like do much about that. And I think that's one that's like the hardest to deal with is like, I'm not going to tell someone to quit their crazy job, you know, even like 
my other job, I work in a logistics company and it can get like crazy. So for me, it's like, what can I do after work to like bring it back down? Um, and I think that's the thing for a lot of people, but if their work, like their life outside of work is crazy too, then that's where it gets a little bit messy. Like if they're not coming home and like chilling out or, you know, relaxing or meditating or whatever they need to do. And Absolutely. they're just like having a like dramatic home life or, you know, out partying or whatever it is they're doing. It's, you know, something's gotta, gotta give. Exactly. And that's also where I'll tell people like prioritize yourself and don't neglect yourself and the care for others or your job, because I can't make you quit your job. I don't want to make you quit your job. However, if you don't take care of yourself now, you're not going to be able to give much to that job. You're not going to have it forever. Yeah. And I definitely see like the benefits of when people do start to listen, you know, they'll do really well at their job. Like they'll get a promotion or, you know, they'll like the relationships in their lives get better. And it's because they did take that time to do better for themselves. Cause it's that whole, like, can't pour from an empty cup thing. So like, once you start to take care of yourself, you start treating other people better or you start shining at work and things like that because you have the energy to do so. Absolutely. I think I can't remember who said it, but it's like if you can dial, if you can dial in your own health and your own personal like everything, you can conquer anything else. Because you set yourself up for success from that foundation of you that anything else in your life you're more than equipped to tackle. Yeah. I think like as you mentioned there, once you see people really get like into a group of things, like they're getting promotions at jobs, their relationships with other people are improving, their lifestyle is improving, like everything across the board. So I think that's another cool thing to just see with people that you work with and just even interact with is the amount of like positive impact you can create in their lives when everything like comes together. Yeah. And I've noticed like, just as my coaching has evolved over the years, like, of course, like a couple of years ago, I wasn't looking at the stress and the sleep. I was like, just doing like training and macros and cardio. And when I started looking at those things, like everyone started getting such better results, you know? So that's when it, that's when I like online coaching better than in person. Cause like, there's all these little things that we have the time to dig into. Cause we're not just like doing a quick in-person session and like, see you next time, you know? Um, yeah. So I've seen like so much better, yeah, like way better results. Um, just when we can like really dig into the, the whole lifestyle. Absolutely. And I think that's, again, where I think it's really great that Atomic Train does have that MT2 lifestyle end of things because it does truly come up like that back end and like really scoop everyone else up into that as in like, come on, like everyone's getting better. Right. Yeah. And I think it just helps because, you know, at first people were probably like, well, those are all competitors. Like, you know, that's not for me. And, you know, when I came on, I was like, I want to be able to help solve this like obesity crisis like obviously like one coaching team isn't going to solve everything but like how can we educate more people how can we like reach more people and you know that's kind of the goal with mt2 is to spread that awareness and maybe eventually like make more courses and stuff like that that can reach more people but i'm still working on figuring out like how can we reach more people that need the help you know absolutely I think it's yeah. great with everything you guys are doing over there and like just seeing like the amount of stuff that you guys are putting out it's good stuff it's good shit and you can see it's making a difference yeah and I think you know content wise you just gotta keep just keep throwing stuff out there you know yeah. uh you know something's gonna stick and resonate with someone so as long as I always say if like one or two people can benefit from what I'm posting like great <laughs> you know I'm on the right path 
100% agree there. Yeah. And I, I'm a competitor myself, and I think that can be difficult as a coach to be a competitor for lifestyle athletes because, you know, there's they're definitely looking up to you, but you also don't want them to, like, go that hard, you know, or they don't need to go that hard. There. Yeah. So um, I think just, like, figuring out how to, like, put that stuff out on social media without, like, scaring those people away. Um, like I used to have two separate social medias, like one for competing and one for the coaching, but that's like a little, a little too much. So I think just finding the like in between of like, this is what I do and I'm passionate about it, but you know, this is the education side of like, if you just want to be a healthy, happy, confident person, like we just need to stick with these basics, you know? No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure yeah. you guys can all relate to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I don't want people viewing my posts who are more, you know, on the lifestyle side of things to see and what I'm doing and be like, oh my God, I have to do that. Because like, I mean, I could see people watching my training videos that I post in my story and being like, you want me to do that? No way. Like, I, I get that. Um, and so like, I, you know, if people ask me about that, like, I mean, I will try to make it very clear, like, no, like, you don't have to do that from day one. Like, of course not, you know, like, it's not as um intense um I mean it might be difficult um but like different different a different approach possibly you know like people should not be training until failure you know like day one usually so yeah. train like an athlete like train just for overall health two different things can yeah. they interlapse yeah but for most people it's just not feasible yeah and I mean I think it helps to show like you know, us and our growing seasons and stuff like that too. Oh, yeah. Like right now we all look like normal people. So, yeah, you know, right. it's just like maintaining our health and stuff in those phases too. And like guiding there, I think just showing both sides, like, even though they might not relate to the prep stuff as much, um, you know, it's still showing that like we're putting in our work and, you know, leading by example, even if it's not the same goal. No, exactly. Like we're all walking to walk together and we're all truly like doing it together almost. Yeah. Yeah. I think another, like, as you mentioned, just showing ourselves in our off season, like when we are in a more, I don't want to say like more normal state, but just more like that, um, more health focused state, if you will. Having like that difference there being like, Hey, like we're not all supposed to be like thick skin lean year <laughs> round. Like, no, no. So yeah. It's okay. I think also with that, like sharing, like me and Emily, like sharing our training and like sharing everything on that end, it can help also inspire and motivate people to be like well if they're doing that like I can do that too or like if they're doing that like I want to do that like I want to train like that I want to look like that yeah. not from a competitor standpoint but just like in terms of bettering themselves if that's a little little spark that gets them like going yeah yeah and I think it helps too because like all of us post like I'm still working on this exercise and we've been doing yep. it for like a long time and there's still exercises where I'm like, damn it. I still don't feel like have it perfect, you know? So yeah. like whether you're day one or year 10, like you, you know, there's always stuff to work on. And I think it helps to show people that. I had, um, I had someone who goes to my gym message me the other day saying like, have you been doing this for like seven months now? And I was like, yeah, but I still could improve X, Y, and Z about it. And he's like, well, I do these things for like, three months and then like I have to switch my training block around I'm like well why, why? <laughs> it's like always just like digging that answer and we had a full-on conversation about like why I've always been doing the same stuff and why I'm always improving it and a man's legs has have been growing the past two weeks just gonna throw that out there 
I've seen those IG pictures. You're doing good. Try. Well, no, my homeboy who asked me about it. Yeah, well, you as well, though. I appreciate it. I'm I don't trying. know about your homeboy, but <laughs> you guys are both doing really great. And we appreciate it, Liz. Thank you. Um, yeah. Your end of it as an athlete, fill us in there a bit. Like, what's your plans for competing, or even just what are your plans as an athlete right now? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, not at all. Um, so I started competing in bikini in 2017. Um, I did two shows that year. And then I took three years off, but it wasn't the best use of my time. Like I, I moved from Arizona to Florida. So I had a coach that lived in Arizona. He didn't really do the online stuff that much. So I kind of just like did my own thing for a while, kind of regret that, but you know, we learned from our mistakes. <laughs> so um, then in 2020, I competed again um, and I got third at the last show I did. So slowly getting better each time, but I still needed a lot of growing to do. Um, my upper body definitely needs to match my lower body a little bit more. I'm like, my legs grow very quickly, but my glutes and my delts got to catch up that typical bikini girl <laughs> dilemma. So um, I've been training with Mark since basically a year ago. Um, and we've just been really working on growing. Then we uncovered some hormonal issues. They're basically like tanks. And that comes from, you know, everything from competing multiple times and not having someone checking my blood work and everything. Um, you know, like I mentioned, when I was a teenager, I had disordered eating and it probably all started back then, you know, but I just wasn't keeping track of those things. And, you know, even things like drinking when I was in my early twenties, like that stuff all messed with me probably. So we're just working on like the gut health right now. I'm almost done with my gut health phase, like a week left. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so getting some blood work done soon and then kind of going from there, I still need to grow. We've been in the gut phase for like six months. So just kind of maintaining you know, my weight and my everything like they're training, training three RIR. Um, so I'm hoping soon we can get back to like training to failure and everything like that. Um, and then, you know, when he says I can prep, I'll prep, but, um, my guess is probably next year. Um, originally I was like hoping for this year, but I think just with the hormone stuff and knowing I have more growing to do that next year is probably a better goal. Not a bad plan. More time is better than no time. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like I think about like, oh, I took three years off the first time and wasn't doing things the right way. So if I can take that amount of time and really put that effort in, um, you know, my physique's going to be so much better next time around. Well, especially having like everything under the hood and squared away. Yeah. Yeah. Like my last coach did not ask for blood work, just like, you know, went into prep, everything like that. And, you know, that was also my fault because, you know, I should have been like, hey, like, don't you need to check that stuff? But you know, that's how we learn. So, yeah. So I think, you know, moving forward with Mark, like I'm excited to see like what we can do together. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, awesome. that's the competitive stuff, but just, I love it, you know, whatever phase I'm in, like, it, I just love it, all of it. So that's um, what matters. yeah, even though like, you know, you get excited about prepping in the stage, like it's always going to be there. So, you know, when my time comes, I'll be ready. Absolutely. I think that's, again, like the best mentality you have is for bodybuilding in general. Yeah. Even just life in general. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like ultimately I kind of would like to 
be coaching full-time too, like when I prep again, because right now I have both jobs and I mean, I work from home for both, so it's not like terrible, but you know, being able to like actually make my own schedule and stuff would be, would be ideal. Then you're not also like splitting almost like your mental energy between like two different things. Yeah. And like I mentioned, like the other job is pretty stressful. So like not having that stress during oh, yeah. that would be great. Um, you know, Better it's like an eight to five job, but like, I don't know, it's just very intense sometimes. No, I get that. I totally get that. Yeah. 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 Emily, did you just start a full-time job? Yeah, it's from um, eight to four. So, um, but I've been getting up at like 5 a.m. just so I don't feel super rushed and I can just kind of have time to like wake up and just do my morning routine basically. Um, And so for the first few days, like, I don't know what happened, but my body just like freaked out um, and the stress just like really got to me. And I almost felt like sick. Like I had almost like fever symptoms and I knew it wasn't COVID because I really hadn't been like going out anywhere. Um, but yeah, it just really goes to show like how much stress can impact you physically. Um, but I, I've gotten more adjusted, um, to the new routine. Um, it's some days are more busy and some days aren't. So it's like, you never know what you're going to get. Um, so that can be a little bit stressful. Um, but eventually I'll be able to work from home, like not every day, but like two to three days, like every other week. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that because then I can sleep in a little bit longer um, and it'll just be um, a lot less stressful just to be able to work from home. So, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely easier. Like you still have access to your food and, you know, you can, you know, not have to commute and stuff like that. So it's been like your couch, well, benefits there, your own desk. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I got my standing desk set up and everything. We love that. We'd love to see it. Yeah, I I hurt my back in August, so I got the standing desk after that because I was like, I don't think it's helping me to like sit for most of the day. You know, not the best thing. I know. Um, I was so actually I've been in this apartment for about a year now, and I just got like an actual like kitchen table two months ago. So I, my coffee table next to my couch was like my desk, my kitchen table, my workspace, and my coffee table all in one. So yeah. Yeah, it helps to have separate spaces. I think mentally just to be like, okay, now I'm at work and, you know, now I'm not. (laughs) Now just like sitting up straight in a chair, normal. Yes, I I need to be better about posture. Same. (laughs) I think that goes for all of us, I'm not gonna lie. As I'm like leaning forward in my chair. All of us like leaning over on our desk right now. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's something we all have to work on. Oh yeah, always always a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that like after because I train after work during the week, um, just like two of the days. Um, and I've noticed that if I have like a lower body day after my day at work of just like sitting in a desk in a chair all day, like um, I've noticed I feel like really stiff and like it's really hard to like warm up and actually like get going. Um, so I've noticed that I, like I just have to spend a little more time like warming up because if I just like don't like I just feel really stiff and like just weird so um yeah it's just like I'm noticing things that like I never thought of before just like I, I just didn't realize how sitting all day can like then go impact a training session um but I mean it makes a lot of sense though so yeah I've I've been going to a functional therapist and they always yell about yell at me about not stretching and stuff they're like you're in that same position like all day long you need to you know 
do more warm-ups. I, I have the warm-ups that they gave me that I have been doing, but the stretching side of things could be a little bit better. <laughs> well, same there. Same. I try to make a conscious effort sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you gotta set a, set a timer for yourself or something. Honestly, like every, every hour at Austin, stand up, take a lap. Sometimes I just stretch in my chair at work um, this is kind of a funny, but like embarrassing moment, but I was just like in my work chair and I was just like leaning back, stretching and like my supervisor walks over and he's like, so what are we working on? And I'm just like, <laughs> um, Flexibility. <working> on. <laughs> yeah. Like the one second I take to just like stretch, like, you know, I'm just caught in the act, like apparently. So I don't know. That was like, I'm like, wow, is this like making a bad first impression or something? But I don't know. I just thought that was funny. So trying to stand up straight when I walk. When yeah. I worked in the office, my supervisor like had a foam roller and everything. So they were cool with us, like getting up and stretching and stuff like that. I love that for you. Yes. I'll literally be at work sometimes, just like in a back room, just like all sprawled out on the floor, like stretching or something. And someone just walks in like Dawson or you okay back here or what's up? So yeah, let me see it. Yeah, it should be allowed. All right. Well, Bean, so where are we on time here? Cause I know Zoom is gonna like freak out on us. Um, I actually don't know. Normally I'll like write down the time, but I think for three people, it's like a 40 minute limit and it hasn't kicked us off yet. So it's probably almost at that mark, I would guess. So maybe we should just end it here so we can like end it without it kicking us off. Yeah, um, it out randomly get cut off. <laughs> yeah. Off your road, guys. Cool. Well, Liz, we seriously appreciate you taking time out of your day to sit down and chat with us. And it was great having you on the show. Um, for all you guys out there listening, I hope you liked what you heard today. If you did, make sure to take a screenshot, tag all three of us on, on your Instagram. Actually, Liz, drop your Instagram handle for us. Where can we find you at? It is Liz McElhaney underscore fitness. And McElhaney is M-C-E-L-A-N-E-Y. Awesome. And if anyone out there is interested in being part of MT2 Lifestyle, can they find you there? Yes. Um, our Instagram for the MT2 Lifestyle page is at MT2 Lifestyle. Well, you guys heard her. So if you guys are interested in following any of us, Go find us. Again, tag us on your stories and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for having me.